Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, high atop the radio world in the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland. Maybe I should change that tagline, Turn It, Don't Burn It in Portland. That's not good right now. Uh, And we welcome all of our affiliates on the Barbecue Radio Nation through Sun um, BGI Networks. Um, This week, we're going to have some music from Dwight Yoakam. And this portion of Barbecue Nation is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef from the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Beef the way nature intended. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Well, I got an email a couple weeks ago. And it was really interesting. Uh, The man we're going to talk to, Bob Healy, who's the president, CEO, engineer, probably uh, shopkeeper, gopher, everything else from grilled guns, um, sent me a sent me something to play with. And it's really cool. It's actually the company's name is Grill Blazer and it's out of Choto, Oklahoma. But this thing looks like a a semi-automatic pistol, but it's got a big flamethrower-looking thing, and we're going to let Bob um, explain all that. But it's how you start your charcoal uh, if you use charcoal in your barbecuing. So, Bob, Bob Healy, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. So um, I'll, I'll do the obvious questions first. What prompted you to create this, and what prompted you to create it looking like it does? Well, I for uh, probably 15, 20 years have been using a weed torch kind of thing to light my charcoal grill because I really like grilling on hardwood charcoal sure. or uh, briquettes. And it doesn't, it doesn't thrill me to spend 30 minutes getting it ready. And so I've just used a lot of heat, you know, a four or 500,000 BTU torch. And it just is something that I've always done. And I, I, over that length of time, nobody that I know ever looked at that and said, you know, I think I'll do that too. The whole idea of a big propane can and, and a hose and a three-foot wand and making a lot of noise and lighting your charcoal just didn't appeal. So I, I thought, what would it take to make this a thing? And so it was uh, November of, I guess it was twenty. 17, yeah, 2017, I said, what would make it something that everybody would want to use? And so the idea of what ended up being the grill gun was born. It wasn't that originally because the whole idea was to make it inexpensive and make it something that everybody would want to use. And I had to end up making a list of must-haves because I'm an engineer by training, must have, it must have this, it must have that in order to be able to be successful. And so that would make it successful as a tool. But then I had to start asking people that are 
that I know, friends of mine, and saying, what would it take to make people want to buy it? Right. And what would it, how does it have to look? So that was when it took the form of a gun. And really, it's just been ultra popular because it looks like that. I mean, if, if I made it look like something else, people would just kind of yawn and say, so what? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to okay. made it look like a, you know, the fairy godmother's wand or something. It probably, they wouldn't take that very seriously. Well, it might sell well in certain stores, but it it wouldn't appeal to uh, the the population that I was reaching for. Right. Guys that like to drink beer and like to like charcoal. And the whole idea of cooking on charcoal is really, really vastly superior to cooking over propane or, or uh, natural gas in a, in a uh, cooker. But really those, those, those cookers are more popular. Uh, 60% of all grillers sold are uh, gas grills. And right. it's just because of the convenience. It's just easy. I mean, you just flip it on. And a lot of smokers and stuff like that are moving away, you know, into pellets because, again, city of it. But, but there's nothing quite like lighting a charcoal grill with a high-powered torch. Well, I know. Or searing, yeah. searing your meat with a high-powered torch. I know, Bob, that in Hollywood, I've spent a little time there, that when you see, like, in a TV show or even if it's a supposedly, quote-unquote, reality show, if they've got a big bed of of charcoal and they want to make it look like it's ready to cook on, they'll take one of those weed burner torches and torch it until it gets just the way they want it, and then they'll go ahead and shoot the shot. Um they don't wait around for 45 minutes or an hour or however long it takes, depending on the size to let the coals get just where they want them. They, they cook them literally with a yeah. weed burner. And um, so that that's one of the things that fascinated me about your, your grill gun is the fact that um, you're right. Most people, uh, especially in the burbs, they use either a gas grill or a pellet grill, and most of them use gas because they can go out and turn it on. Um, they can have it up to temp in just a few minutes. They can cook whatever it is they're going to cook that evening for dinner or, or Saturday lunch or barbecue or something and uh, pull it off, turn down the gas, let it cool off, shut the lid, and they're good to go um, just because yeah. of the convenience of it. But um, – you're right. There is something to be said, a lot to be said over cooking over, over charcoal and getting that flavor. And the other thing I liked about the grill gun is you're not going to be using lighter fluids because the residual taste, or if you get some on your grate or, you know, if you're not paying attention to it and you soak it too much and all that, you can still have that residual taste and there won't be any of that with the grill gun. No, no. In fact, it's funny. People don't realize the health benefits associated with it is what you're really, you're talking about. Right. Um, when you buy a briquette, you know, charcoal briquettes or something like that, you light it with charcoal fluid, uh, lighter fluid, or you, you put it in a charcoal chimney. There's all kinds of them out there. And they really pretty much require that you get the, um, that you get the charcoal to be gray, you know, to where it's, it's completely gray and completely lit and, it's not because that's what it takes to get the charcoal burning. It's what it 
takes to be able to burn off the residual um, light fluid that you've that you've soaked it in. Right. Uh, some of these, uh, in, you know, match light charcoals that you can buy. Right. Same thing. It's just a, <clears throat> just petroleum that you're just burning off. And if you don't burn it off until it's completely gray, well, then you are going to get that um, aftertaste of it. And, and it's not healthy to eat. So you don't have any of that when you just soak it with um, pure heat. Yeah. And it's really, the grow gun is, is different than other weed burners in the, the level of mixing of the air, the it, the refined heat that's coming out of it, it's just pure, pure heat, high temperature. It's uh, water, carbon dioxide, and hot heat. That's it. That's that's all that comes out of the end of the gun. So uh, you can't even see it in the daytime, as you've seen. I'm sure using yep. it. If you light it in the daytime, it's it's invisible. Yeah, and you want you, you do want to be careful because. Um, some people aren't the sharpest knife in the drawer, no pun intended, on a cooking show, but don't be turning it over and looking at it. <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, is this on? Uh, yeah, it's on. Trust me, it's on. Um, it's uh, the heat, you'll feel it, you know, in just a very short order there. Um, so it's, but somebody eventually will probably burn their fingers or something by, you know, not trusting it. And, and, uh, that's their dumb ass doing that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. well, and, and that, you know, when you, when you buy a lawnmower, it's got all kinds of warnings, keep your feet and fingers out from underneath it. it yeah. They put those kind of warnings on it. And I, I yeah. warn people about burning themselves in the owner's manual exhaustively just because people, Oh, there are people. I mean, uh, yeah. They'll do stupid things, and I've done plenty of my stupid things in life, so I'm not set apart here. No, no, it's no, a, no. It's a really high-powered tool, and it's not to be taken as a toy, that's for sure. No, it's a precision instrument. It's not a – well, it's not even like a, a regular weed burner because a regular weed burner, you know, you can – if you kind of look at it, you can kind of see the flames coming out. You can hear the pressure from the tank. You can do that. You, uh, you've got that in your mind that it is a weed burner and that it will get hot and that, and the grill gun, even though it's more precise and refined, the first thing that came up and you said, man, that I got to be careful about this, or I got to really design this well. And the whole thing is designed well, but was there one point that you really had to focus on? It takes tremendous heat to light charcoal now. And if you back off of that, it, you might as well just be, you're wasting time. It'll take forever to light it with a torch. So mm -hmm. I had to come up with something that did two things. It tr produced that high amount of heat, but it was miserly on the consumption of propane because I wanted it to be portable where you could develop any of these weed torches that you hook up to a propane tank. You got 20 pounds of, or you know, 20 pounds of propane in that tank. Sure. And you got a, virtually a limitless supply. So you have a giant orifice and you just jack out the propane as hard, fast as you can light it and it produces heat, but you can't attach that to a little one pound bottle of the uh, burns or the Coleman propane. Right stock and just screw it onto the bottom and have it be really portable and simultaneously 
uh, have any life in it. It's just the, the length of time that you have as a burn. It just it consumes the propane so fast that you it, it's virtually useless. You know, get one or two lightings of a charcoal and you're done. There you go. We're going to talk about that mixture when we come back. Um, you're listening to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with Bob Healy today, um, who invented a very cool tool called the grill gun. And we're going to be back to talk with Bob more in a minute right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with Bob Healy today from grill blazer and they created bob created the grill gun it's a charcoal grill torch um real quick before we get back to talking with bob if you want to email us it's very easy info at the cowboycook.com info at the cowboycook.com of course we're on facebook and um all the social media platforms or may not be all of them but i think there's 17 of them now that's certainly a lot and uh pay attention here in the next couple of weeks because we're going to be giving away some more subscriptions on or from the national barbecue news so there you go we're going to be doing that now let's get back and talk to uh bob healy you're bob you're an engineer by trade or by training um were you into like you said closing out the last segment you had to get the right you know air mixture in there was that the type of engineering you did or were you mechanical engineer or what did you do oh um Back in college, I did. I learned to be an electrical engineer and uh, write software and that sort of thing. So, but I was given the opportunity to develop products early on, and so I've developed a whole plethora of different things and had fun doing it. But I was always working for somebody, and they were making the money, and I was just working for them and sure. you know being paid like a, a good employee, but. I just finally decided that I wanted to do something, and I, I spent my whole career creating all kinds of things, mechanical as well as electric or electronic or, or code-related uh, software stuff, and I thought, let's just do something entirely fun, and um, there's nothing that I'm daunted by. I mean, really and truly, a propane torch is, although it sounds like a rocket, it's not rocket science. It's just <laughs> not the hardest thing to do. Yeah. So... It's, but to come up with one that is the answer or the solution to what's wrong with propane torches. I mean, you buy a cheap propane weed burner, it'll the igniter will will fail within three weeks. It'll uh, it'll rust out and fall apart, and you'll replace it two or three times a year if you use it regularly. Sure. And I thought, well, I need to make something that somebody will be proud to have and will last forever. So it, that's not good for resale. You know, it'd be not, it'd be a smarter thing to build something that falls apart and last as long. Right. Yeah. Falls right. apart. But then, then you've got the, the other side of that sword, which is, well, why would I buy this again? Because the last one I had fell apart. So I'd rather <laughs> have people that are thrilled with it, use it forever. And, uh, 
and then just show their friends, you know, make more sales because you've got one, you love it, your buddy buys one. Yeah. So you get that level thing. Is that so, how it's working it, out for you? Yeah, that kind of organic growth is uh, probably 50% of the sales. I do have to spend a fair amount of money marketing and and getting on shows like yours sure. in order to get the word out. But the more people hear about it and they take a chance, um, it it has a domino effect. You know, one person likes it. I offer really um, first-class customer service in that you have any have any questions or any problems, you just reach out and we'll take care of it because that's what it's all about is make a quality product and make people like it so that they, they spread the news sort of organically. Once you got into the design of this and you kind of had it pictured in your mind, I mean, you knew your, you, you, you know, you knew the, where the goal line was is you wanted to make something more efficient and, and more practical for people and worked better for lighting, you know, charcoal grills. Once you saw that, how long did it actually take you to do the design work and, and do the mechanical engineering on it that said, okay, this works here, this works here, here's a pressure valve here. I don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm just interjecting things. But, you know, you've got, you've got flow from the tank and you've got, it's got to mix with air and you, that pressure's got to do this and that. How long did it take you to work through all that? Oh, from the time that I had the idea that I needed to make a tool and I didn't know what it looked like to the time I was holding my very first one that I, when I showed it to family and friends, they said, you're going to sell a lot of those. <laughs> that was a, it was about a four month period of time. And it was, it was all prototype stuff. Um, I had to, had to kind of dig into the things that I had for years hired people to do and do them, learn and do those things myself. You know, the whole idea of, of creating parts uh, three-dimensionally, I've hired engineers to do 3D modeling and uh, building parts, but I didn't have a bunch of engineers to do it. I was the engineer, so I had to, I had to develop that, uh, develop the product, learn the software, uh, teach myself it, um, build the parts, try them, see what failed, see what didn't fail. Uh, I have a small machine shop in the, in the barn, and I started making the metal parts, and it all came together in about a four-month period of time. And then that's when the hard work began because that was just the creative. After the creative was done and I knew what it looked like and I knew um, how I had to go about manufacturing it, then I had to really refine the parts, develop the tolerances, find the suppliers, and, um, come up with how... How much would it cost to make such a thing, and how was I going to be able to take it to market? So, it was. I honestly say that the first four months was focusing on creating the product, and then the next year was trying to figure out how to finance and manufacture it, so that I could actually bring it to market. So when you were it ended up, yeah, go ahead. Go sorry, ahead. sorry, sorry. No, it, it just ended up that I, I got a whole year of refinement because I thought, boy, people are going to just love this. You know, people with deep pockets who wanted to you know, help finance a new startup company. 
they would just love it. But really, there's a big difference between uh, going to somebody who's an angel investor or something like that and saying, look what I got. If I've got, oh, something dot-com related or IP or software or something like that sure. versus a gun that shoots fire, right? It, it's just not something that people gravitate to. They want to buy it. They want to own it. But they, at the same time, they say, that looks dangerous. I don't know. Yeah. Someone could hurt themselves. Well, yeah, someone can hurt themselves. Same thing could be said for a pistol. Someone can hurt themselves. But We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Bob Healy, uh, president of Grill Blazer, who makes a grill gun right after this. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. Today we're talking with Bob Healy, uh, inventor of the grill gun. And uh, before we jump back in with Bob here, we'd like to thank Painted Hills Beef, the folks that uh, are from the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Comes a beef product that you can feel good about. Uh, in fact, it's the way nature intended beef to be. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Don't forget, you can check us out on SoundCloud and all the other platforms if you want to listen to the podcast version of this show, which um, is now literally heard all over the world. So that's kind of cool. Um, and you can email us at uh, info at the cowboycook.com. And you can also check out the website, which is barbecuenationjt.com. So uh, there you go. That's all that good stuff. Uh, we're talking with Bob Healy, like I said. When you were testing this, how did your how did your initial test results come out? I mean, you had the idea. You kind of built a prototype. Not kind of. You did build a prototype. And you were doing it. Did did that work eighty percent, ninety percent, all the way? How you envisioned it to work, or what was that process like? Well, we I talked earlier in an earlier segment about what it what it takes to actually light charcoal. Right. I mean, it you can do it with a small flame, but if you're going to light your grill, like what I do, I. I I'm cooking on my grill, everything from the time I walk out there. It's going to be 30 degrees outside to, you know, 110 outside. But it doesn't matter. I can have that grill up and uh, throwing the chicken or the steak on it in, in three minutes' time from the time I walk out. You cannot even do that with a gas grill. But you can with something that develops this kind of heat. And that's not – it's not – possible in any of the torches that you could buy, as we talked about earlier, as far as the amount of fuel flow, to get that out in a miserly manner where you're not just consuming ton of fuel. And so the failures I had really had to do with, I was just trying to eat every last little bit of energy out of the propane that I was using. And that, that turned into uh, design iteration after iteration to figure out just exactly how it, how the air actually had to mix with the fuel in order to get it lean enough that it won't light with a um, 
with a something outside it. I mean, you can light this thing with a, a lighter, but it's hard to get a sparker to light it. Right. If you have another torch, you can light it. It's got to be lit internally with the self-ignition system that you get when you pull the trigger in order to be able to light the thing uh, and get it going because the fuel almost doesn't want to burn. It's so much oxygen in it. And I had to do that in order to get that kind of heat out of a small flow of fuel. So that's where I had time and iteration because I wanted it to uh, be something that I couldn't ultimately get. I couldn't get it to be just, you know, you can buy some propane and some butane bottles at cans that are really small, but you just can't get any energy out of them. Right. And BTUs are, is the amount of energy that's contained in, in the fuel flow. So it just, uh, that's probably too technical, but I, I just mean, I, it was easy to make it look cool and um, <laughs> yeah. difficult to make it work correctly and reliably and robustly in a, in a way that was also manufacturable. You just can't be hand tweaking all of these things. It's really, when you pull it out of the box, you got to be able to screw a propane can on it and fire it up and have it and have that enthusiasm just consume you at the moment that you do it. Because really when you first hear that thing fire up, it just, uh, it's kind of a primal instinct. You just have this urge to yell. <laughs> this is so fun. And I hear, I get testimony after testimony from people that do that. You know, they appreciate the fact that I went through so much trouble to make such a uh, fine tool and, and it, it's like something that they've never owned. So that's, that's kind of the reward behind all of it. I'm not worried so much about somebody copying it because they have to do the same thing. Uh, they actually have to go through those iterations because if you try to do something and uh, beat this one out, you end up just going to copy it because I've driven it down to the lowest common denominator on, on all fronts. So it, that's what took the time, making it look like what you think is really cool, you know, the color and the, the color scheme and all that stuff. Right. That's kind of mar marketing and, and appeal, sales appeal. One of the things, Bob, that uh, very popular out there now is the Kamado-style cookers, the eggs, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the olives, the whatever fruit or vegetable they name it after. Uh, I've right. got a, I've got a new one coming called the Kong, K-O-N-G. Um, and uh, I did not use it uh, on uh, Kamado style because I really don't have one right now that's workable. Uh, that's why I've got a new one coming. But, um, you know, you're you're reaching down in there. The, the natural tendency would be to reach way down in there, get it close to the charcoal. But. You say, especially in your instruction manual, uh, you know, it needs oxygen. And uh, I'm assuming that that's very evident. If you get it down in there, you burn up the oxygen really fast. So go over that for yeah, us. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and it's, it's not terribly intuitive because there is so much heat, so much fire coming out of that thing. And the Kamado style ceramic, you know, cookers that you're you're talking about, you can't hurt them. Uh, it's ceramic. I mean, you're just shooting fire at it, and it's not. That's how it was made in the first place. But if you dip the the barrel of the 
grill gun down below the lip as you're trying to light it, you just burn up all the oxygen in the room, and it's and it puts the flame out because you need three things for fire. You need fuel, you need oxygen, and you need heat. And if you don't have one of those three, you don't have fire. And so what's really cool about the grill gun is that you've got a two-foot reach of flame, and you don't need to go down inside that Kamado-style grill to hit it, to hit that charcoal. You can light a green egg in seven to 15 seconds. I mean, that's just to get the fire going and then use the, use the uh, oven as it's designed where you control the flow of air through it. You just watch the charcoal get red hot and then you're done. Or you can use it to also flame the whole perimeter, the lid, the, the walls, that sort of stuff. And within five minutes, you're at 450 degrees or 500 degrees or whatever you want. You've, you've taken the cooker up to cooking temperature so that you're even taking one of those kind of ovens and you're preparing it to cook in exceedingly short order. Yeah. Now, you talk about uh, uh, different chimneys and stuff that people like to use, especially the clay pots and that advice on that for people. Um, like the clay pot, you're talking about like a chimney? Yes. Well, I'd, so the grill gun, we have, we've talked all about the grill gun, but we haven't talked about the sous vide gun. So I, I'll just mention that real quick. The sous vide gun is a smaller version of the grill gun. It's the same handle. It says SU hyphen V gun as the, the name of it. And that's a play really on the term sous vide, S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E, which is a way of cooking meat. Are you even familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So sous vide is, um, is a really, really popular way of uh, preparing meat. And then you finish it on any of these slow cooker burners with the uh, sous vide gun or the grill gun, for that matter. Both of them will sear meat instantly. But you, uh, you have the sous vide gun, which is smaller. It's got a six-inch shorter barrel than the grill gun. And... Um, instead of a two-foot flame, it's got about a 16-inch flame. So its re- its niche, its design is for really flaming meat. If you want to reverse sear or you want to slow cook or you want to bake or sous vide your meat and then uh, char finish it, you the grill gun's perfect for you. And it's actually um, safe enough to use in the house instead of out on the uh, out on the outside on the porch. I would not recommend using the grill gun in the kitchen because you've got two feet of flame that you're rolling out across your steak and it's going to melt the butter dish on the other side. And who knows, <laughs> it'd be a calamity in your house. You don't, the paper towel you don't holder is gone. So so the, the idea of that much flame allows you to, with a grill gun, uh, allows you to use it for a lot of other things. I mean, you mentioned some while we were off air, but lighting a chimney, lighting an outdoor fireplace, taking it with you uh, on a camp out and lighting your, there's nothing nastier than going out to a, a state park or a, a picnic ground or something like that. And those, you know, those uh, fire rings or free, you know, yeah. pole cookers, they're just all manner of nature gets on it. And you really have to fill them full of charcoal and, then get it really hot to burn all it off and wire brush it off, and then you can cook your food on it. But with the grill gun, with as much heat as it puts out and that flame, you you can just reach out and touch it. I mean, we're talking 
serious, you can uh, sanitize your that pole stand. You can light the campfire. You can, uh, if you if you build a fire properly, where you uh, you know you put in the wood like small pieces on the inside and larger, gradually larger as you go out in kind of a TV format, you can light a wet wood fire and just send it blazing because you put the fuel in a manner that it will be consumed properly. And right. the drill gun, is, its uses for, uh, you know, weed burning, ice melting, um, lighting different kinds of fires. I live in the country and I do it, I use it for pasture burns in order to be able to set the the pastor in a controlled fire off properly so it's it's the answer to all things outdoors we're going to take a break we're going to be back and uh, wrap up the regular show with bob healy from grill gun right after this you're listening to barbecue nation on the sun broadcast network Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and today we're talking with Bob Healy, uh, creator of The Grill Gun, and... Um, where did you, I had to ask you this, where did you, you didn't always live outside of Chota, Oklahoma. Where did you come from back there? Um, I spent the first uh, years of my life in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There you go. I had no reason to go somewhere else. And I, it was in 2010, it was, that I said, you know, I've always wanted a piece of land and there was one for sale and I sold all the stuff I had in town and moved out there and built a house and, and, and got more I stuff being in the country. Yeah. Got more stuff, different stuff. There you go. Different stuff. That's right. Yeah. Different stuff. When you go to, I notice in your, in your manual, you're talking about lighting through the grates because you do have the heat coming out far enough that you can do that. Um, stainless steel grates probably shouldn't be a problem. Um, cast iron grates probably shouldn't be a problem, but some grates are and especially on some of the cheaper model grills are a little deceptive because they're really not stainless steel. Um, is there any problems with that? No, you, you hit the, all the top buttons right there. Yeah. You buy a, you can buy a $10 grill at uh, Walmart. I know because I bought one because I wanted to see what would happen if I, if I flamed it. Yeah. And it's just really, really thin wire. And you can turn thin wire orange um, in about five seconds in uh, with the grill gun. It's just it's just a ton of heat, and so you have to really be, you know be careful about what you're doing. That's why I'm really glad you read the manual and you have these points that you can pick out and talk about because. Uh, I have one grill which is a cast uh, metal you know, pot, pot metal grate. And it's just hard to get that too hot um, because it's just dense metal. And I've gotten it orange, but it's, was, you know, never in the uh, the process of lighting a grill just to try and make it 
see what I could do to it. But stainless steel, it all has to do with the diameter of the wire. So if you're using uh, like this little cheap grade, it's powder coated. You know, it, what sense does it make to have a grill that's powder coated uh, <laughs> other than just for the moment that it's sold? Because you're going to incinerate the powder coat with the charcoal in there. And you're going to incinerate it if, if you light it with a grill gun faster than that. So you you just need to be aware of what you're using it to light um, and where you focus the flame because you can you can put the flame against the skin on the inside of um, of any grill and if it's a powder coated grill if that skin temperature gets to be 450 degrees, then you're going to powderize the powder coating. And you wouldn't get it to that temperature if you just built a small fire with a chimney chimney inside the grill. Right. And, you know, you get to 350 degrees or so, and your cooker will look great for a long time. Well, um, just don't overheat your grill because of the enthusiasm you have to get it lit. So it... I'd, I'd call lighting charcoal with this kind of heat sort of uh, a fun art, you know, because if you want to melt your grill, you can. Uh, I wouldn't advise it because then you're ending up going and buying another grill. And don't say I didn't warn you. But, <laughs> if, but you can really light any grill with it if you just don't overpower it, which this can do. So just... Uh, painted painted grills, temperature on uh, these um, black charcoal uh, heat-tolerant paints are like 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit. If you, if you get your grill that hot, yeah, you're going to burn the paint, but it's really tough to do. And if you are cooking with something like and one of these Komodo-style grills, you're not going to overheat that grill, but you can overheat the grates that are inside if you just train the heat on there. But there's no reason to. Like I was saying, you can light the green egg in in uh, 15 seconds. So, and, and that's a, you know, a big one. Oh, yeah. um, it's just in the purpose. And another interesting thing about lighting the grill, one of the things that I talk about in the manual and in some of the videos I've done is the the fact that you don't have to light the charcoal and get it gray and wait till it all turns gray because all that is is ash that builds up around it as you consume the charcoal. I will frequently, I've got a little hasty bake that I will cook on, for instance, and I'll light the charcoal. And it's. And you can see when you look into the flames as you're doing it, you can see the charcoal glowing orange so you know it's burning. And you just take the heat off and you look at it and you're going, is it lit? And then you put the heat back on it, and yep, it's glowing orange. So you stop, and then you uh, cook your meal. Maybe it's 15 minutes worth of cooking or 20, um, or you're doing something really hot, and you're searing it and taking it off in 10 minutes. And then you can close the grill down, or you can spray water on it and put it out, and your charcoal's good the next go-around. And that's not something you would do in any other charcoal setting. I don't know if anybody who teaches that you can take a little uh, one-gallon water pump sprayer that you can buy for 10 bucks at the box store and, and spray it on your charcoal when you're done, and your charcoal's good for the next go-around. You can get 
two burns out of any quantity of charcoal that you put in there. So, and um, it's just fun to do. Yeah. So let's go back just a little bit. And there's something I wanted to ask you and I didn't. On an average use of the grill gun. So let's let me just give you a scenario. Somebody comes out, they're grilling, uh, and they're using it three or four times a week, which is this time of year is not unusual for people to be doing that. Um, and it only takes a short bit of time to, to get your charcoals lit and ready. But how long could uh, like one of the little Coleman green tanks last on average on with average use? I mean, if you're going to just stand there and burn stuff all day, it'll last longer than uh, because of the dynamics of the grill gun. Yes, it'll last longer, but you're also going to burn it up pretty quickly. But on just average use and, you, you know, because they just fit into the handle, um, how long should people expect that? Now that's a that's a really good question. I get it asked all the time, and I've written some FAQs to help people understand it, but it's kind of technical in the answer. So the answer is 12 minutes. Well, but you can't get 12 minutes of run. You can always get 12 minutes of runtime, but you can't get the kind of power that it puts out in 12 minutes because it's the nature of propane. So propane... It depends on how hard you're using it, 8 to 10 minutes on the grill gun and 12 to 14 minutes for the sous vide gun because sous vide gun has a smaller orifice and uses less fuel to develop the same kind of heat. Yep. Real quick, Bob, we're out of time uh, for the regular show here. How can people find you online? Grillblazer.com is the name of the company, and that's the well, – Grillblazer LLC is the company, but the website's Grillblazer.com. Thanks. There, there yeah. you go. Um, we got to get out of here. Bob, thank you for being on the show, and uh, folks, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.